Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, I am so honored, so humbled to be joined by my dear friend, Kim Pham, the co-founder of Omsom. Now, she's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, but admittedly, I'm not going to ask her that much about them. Kim, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so stoked. <laughs> what an absolute treat. <laughs> like shoot the shit with your friend. Totally. <laughs> you ready to dive in? Yes. Also, wait, before we start, can I swear? Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Ascend. Okay, if you're a woman struggling with imposter syndrome, feeling unsure about how to get by in at work, or reading leadership book after leadership book without knowing how to apply the learnings to your real life challenges, you need to apply to Ascend. Ascend's leadership program will teach you skills to gain confidence, influence difficult stakeholders, empower your teams, and move up in your career. And yeah, I get it. That sounds like a big pile of buzzwords. But if you know, you know that these are truly some of the most mission critical skills you can build to thrive in a professional environment. I chatted with Shivani, the CEO of Ascend, and she told me she graduated with an MBA from Harvard Business School and still didn't feel like she'd been taught the skills she really needed when she was moving into management. In this six-week leadership program, you'll grow with a community of like-minded women from top companies while you develop the skills you need to move up faster in your career. Apply now to join their June 28th cohort at weascend.co. Kim is a self-proclaimed internet weirdo and co-founder of Omsom, a proud and loud Asian food brand that makes cooking your favorite Asian dishes with uncompromised flavors and hard-to-find ingredients possible in any home kitchen. She and her sister, Vanessa, first-generation Vietnamese Americans, started Omsom to reclaim the cultural integrity of Asian cuisines that are too often diluted in the grocery aisle. Kim lives in Brooklyn, and when she's not overusing garlic in recipes or biking, you can find her excited about subcultures like the sex positivity movement, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and ASMR. Kim, bam, welcome to the pod. (laughs) Yes, let's get into it. I'm ready. All right. She's ready. I'm ready. Well, Kim, I'm super excited to interview you on my show. Thank you again for coming on. One of the reasons I'm so excited is that you and I have actually known each other for quite a while. Literally years since we were Literally. little children. At we babes. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it this morning and I think we maybe met towards the tail end of your senior year. Yes. I think that sounds right. Yes, I think so. One memory that sticks out to me in particular is that you and I went to the Sweet Green Sweet Life Music Festival together. That was so fun. Which was so fun. And my favorite moment from that festival, there were two. One is that for some reason we walked over to the stage where 2 Chains was playing because at the time we were like, (laughs) oh my God, I completely forgot. And then we walked up and it was a sea of tweens. Oh my gosh. And I remember feeling old. Yes. Yes. It was all kids. Oh my gosh. And then the best one though, is that we walked out to this stage that was sort of in the woods and we saw Chromeo at night in the woods. It was sick. That was literally magical. I know. It was such a good show. (laughs) I totally agree. So that's one of my favorite memories of us together. And it's always a pleasure when I get to have real friends on the show. So I'm very excited. (laughs) Yes, I'm stoked. And I got to see you recently in person, which was, oh my God. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was, oh my God, indeed. What a dream. What a dream in the sunshine in New York. Exactly right. So Kim, tell me this. How did you spend your last day off? Oh my gosh, girl. What was the last time? Actually, you know, to be honest, mm. I really try and carve out my weekends for myself. Good. So the last proper true day off was that Saturday that I saw you. Yes. I threw a backyard banger with one of my best friends from <laughs> NYU. We cooked a ton of omsom, ton of drinks, and it, it was, was just like everything that I wanted. There was an ice luge, which was probably a hundred percent regrettable. I want to do more of that this summer of reminding myself of who I am outside of Omsom and it's around friends with tons of food and drinks and just enjoying one of this company. Yes. Well, the Omsom was delicious. Thanks for cooking that <laughs> up for us. <laughs> of course. I kind of have a party and not feed my people. <laughs> totally. What role do you typically take on at the party when you're hosting? Are you cooking? Are you talking to everyone? Are you playlist? I'm the de degenerate trying to get everyone drunk. <laughs> I think that is like, it's a very Vietnamese thing. Really? I'm first gen Vietnamese American, mm -hmm. daughter of refugees. And that was like the classic Vietnamese family party. There's like mm -hmm. always an uncle or an auntie walking around with a bottle of Hennessy being like, mm -hmm. drink, 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 drink. Like, let's do shots. Like that yeah. is my energy. I've hundred percent inherited that. I just want people to have a good time. And so I'm down to be a little bit of the social and alcoholic lubricant. <laughs> I do think a lot of good parties have kind of an instigator, just someone that gets yes. it going a little bit, you know? Yes. There's always that person that like pushes you over the edge a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's probably me. I'm it's like, oh, like another, <laughs> another shot. It's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. You know, every party really needs one. Well, have you ever been known as the something person? Like, for example, my friend Mara was probably the math girl in high school, or I was definitely the drama girl in high school, things like that. Yeah, I was the journalism girl in really? high school. So I was like the editor-in-chief of my school newspaper. Oh, sure. I was so sure I was going to be a journalist. I didn't obviously end up in journalism. I now mm -hmm. run a food startup, but sure. I do all of the editorial and content behind our brand. Wow. So that's just been a ton of fun to see it come to life just in a totally different way. But yeah, I yes. was like in the newspaper room every day, did electives in it. Yeah, I was the dorky newspaper girl. <laughs> did you have a weekly column or anything? I did. I had a letter from the editor, oh. <laughs> which I now still do. We have weekly newsletters through Omsom and I literally write every single intro paragraph, oh, wow. like intro section. I still got to keep it. <laughs> That's really nice that you get to keep using it. Yeah. Is there a fad that you look back on participating in that in retrospect makes you a little bit cringy? That could be a fashion thing, a cultural thing, workout. As in like, I think it's cringy now. Yeah. What was cringy full? Okay. Well, I don't um, know. I mean, I would say something that at the time you were like, this slaps. And then in retrospect, you oh were like, gosh. ooh, it did not slap. Girl, was that not all of middle school and most of yes. high school for us? I would have to say though, that growing up was like a total like pop punk warp tour kid. Yes, that's right. That's right. Like daughter of immigrants trying to find an identity. <laughs> But I will say I went through the phase where everyone wore the Avril Lavigne tie. Oh, like, do you the remember? Tie. Like, do you remember the tie. that? Wow, I had blocked it out, but it's resurfacing now. I recall complicated. That was the banger yes. of the moment. <laughs> I just thought she was the coolest. I love this feminine, masculine mm -hmm, play. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, girl, that's just because you were by and you right. didn't know. <laughs> but we got there eventually. But yeah, the the tie, I thought I was just the coolest. I was like, dad, what ties do you have? Oh my have? God, yes. But <laughs> yeah. What did he think of his ties as a part of the look? Was he like, my tie looks pretty good? <laughs> 
I'm really lucky. I have super, super unorthodox parents mm. and their number one lesson for me growing up was be the weirdest version of yourself. Really? So my dad was really like, yeah, I'm, I'm super lucky. They're really mm. incredible. So he was really encouraging of all of my different phases. Yeah. Like I went through a super intense anarchist goth phase. Oh, really? Yeah. That was like a moment. And he was super <laughs> cool. I remember one time I was dating a, a boy because I was a child. Yes. And for Valentine's Day, he, he killed a rat. Oh! Uh, and like, oh, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He killed a rat <laughs> and like put it on a necklace, like the, the skeleton of this rat on a necklace. And I wore it to the dinner table. Oh. And I remember my mother just like literally almost in tears. She's like, what is happening? And my dad was like, just let Kim. Oh my God. <laughs> Kim. Yeah. How big was the rat? How big? It was, it ended up just being kind of like the skull oh. and a little bit of the spine. Oh, 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 I, yeah. I am remaining open. Yeah. I'm open-minded. I am understanding. Yes. Well, that's a very sweet gesture. <laughs> it is actually very, very nice that your dad was like, let her go through this or let her experience this. Yeah. That's amazing. How did he kill the rat? The boy? Girl, I don't ask questions. It was a that's gift. That's fair. And I thought at the time I was like, I've been chosen. Wow. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. What happened to that necklace? He took it back. No! Because we broke no. up a week later. Did he ask for it back or did you give it back? Like, here, take your rat skull. No, he literally Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Girl. Wow. Middle school. Sad. Wild. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Wild time. But, you know, nevertheless, <laughs> she persisted. Here you are today. <laughs> here I am. That's amazing. Well, is there anything that your family did when you were growing up that at the time you thought was very normal and then in retrospect realized was a little bit strange? I mean, I think everything was a little bit strange. So like I grew up in a town that was 98% white. And so oh, wow. being the, really like the only, there was probably two other people mm. of color in my entire grade. Mm. So I kind of viewed everything under like a super microscope yeah. because we were already different. And so I was really, you know, internalized a lot of shame around that. Sure there's like the classic lunchbox moment mm -hmm. of like, I brought in, I think kanji with pork floss and someone's like, this looks like cat hair. And I was like, fuck you, Greg, yeah. Greg, come on, fuck off. Give me a rat skull or get the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Greg, what do you have to offer? <laughs> so it was like little stuff like that. But now obviously, you know, as an adult, I'm like, oh my gosh, my parents were just trying the best they yeah. could. And I'm so grateful that they worked so hard and it's nothing but appreciation and gratitude. But yeah, for a long time, I was like, oh my God, everyone's an Abercrombie and mm. Fitch and like my family can't afford that. Or, mm -hmm. you know, my parents would pick me up late after school because they work yeah. full-time jobs. That was the whole thing of being embarrassed that people's parents weren't on time. Yeah. You know, it was, it was super silly, small stuff. They're the best. And I have nothing but gratitude for everything they've done. That's beautiful. Do you have any traditions at home that are things that your family started together? Oh gosh. Great question. Nothing like kind of super intentional. Obviously we have cultural traditions like Lunar New Year mm. where we do fit together and we have these sorts of meals, yeah. but we love to watch Marvel movies together. Okay. We love watching animated movies together. Is that what like, got you into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Your family? Yes. Really? Kind of. A little bit. I mean, like we always watch like action thrillers growing cool. up. Like we just love kind of silly things that you can kind of turn your brain off. I didn't really kind of get hooked on to Marvel until probably college. And I really? met other nerds. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> nerds assemble. <laughs> yeah. Literally, literally. NYU really was great for finding your people. Yes. The niches, the sub communities, mm -hmm. subcultures. Yeah. Like I think because it was so big, we had no choice. Totally. The only way you could find community was to find those like kind of hyper-specific 
nodes. I think people like you and I did really well in that environment in terms of finding different niches that we wanted to be a part of. And what I particularly loved about that setup for undergrad was there was no social hierarchy in my life because it was just Mm. too big. How could anyone be popular in such a big sea of people? I loved that. It was very different from my high school experience. (laughs) No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. That's really interesting. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. There's just like, when everyone's kind of anonymous in right. some sense, like there are, there's no like big cool kid on the block. Exactly. The block is New York city. Yeah. Cause the block is seven miles tall and two miles yes. wide. Yes. So I have a confession about the Marvel cinematic universe, Kim. <gasps> oh gosh, mama. Are you about to break my heart? Oh no. I don't want to do it to you like this, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. And also I don't know the difference between that and the other one. And I'm, I'm sorry. DCU? Yeah. Oh, girl. Oh, girl. Okay. <laughs> if you... Could you name... Who is your favorite? Do you have a favorite? That's what it is, right? You usually have like a favorite superhero and then they're in movies and then they make movies about like them as a kid and then they make <laughs> movies about like their friends and then their boss assembling them all together. That's my understanding. Yeah. Okay. I love this hyper-reductive approach to it because you're it's 100% accurate. <laughs> it's like very accurate. Yes. I think the reason I love the MCU is is the same reason why a lot of people love like Star Wars or Harry Potter. Mm. It's this idea of a whole universe okay, where it's not just one protagonist story, but literally like a hype interconnected story, you know? Yeah. And so I I love that about Marvel. Do I have a favorite superhero? Oh my gosh, I have a million. Yeah. I'm actually a part of a league, I guess is what we call ourselves. Yeah, it's super dorky. I love it. It's me and a couple NYU friends, and we literally see every single MCU movie at the midnight premiere. We dress up for it. Oh. We then like meet for dinner every month or so, and we literally Aww. just nerd out on storylines, plots, subheroes, like all this. And then we actually do Excel sheets of like no. favorite superhero yes. ranked, favorite <sighs> anti-hero villain movie franchise. Like it, it gets dorky. How many tabs are in this spreadsheet? <laughs> I want to say it's at least like six or seven now and we rank and then we compare. And then one of my friends, he's like a consultant and he does all these like analysis on top of it. of like, Oh, when you weighed it, you know, it's so dorky, but I love that. (laughs) That is so cool. I totally see the appeal of something like that, especially when you can share it with other people. I don't really have a thing like that. I'm not into star Wars. I'm as you can clearly tell, I'm not into Marvel or DCU. And yeah, I, I can see why it's very attractive. I think the only comparison that I've ever honestly been able to make, and I know this is something you're into too, is drag race. Yes. <laughs> That's Same it. Thing. That's the one sport that I watch is RuPaul's drag race. <laughs> Yes. Same. It's exactly the same thing of like, you get to know the Queens and you find out who's in which family and you understand which cities they rep Mm -hmm. and what they're known for. Someone's a look queen versus a fashion queen versus comedy queen. And I, I love that all those categorizations. It's just fascinating to me. I totally agree. Well, you mentioned that you dress up for the premieres. That makes perfect sense because I feel like you put together a great costume. Like you can really turn a look. I do. She can turn a look. She can turn a look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all part of just being the weirdest version of myself that my dad and my mom always wanted me to be. And so got super into cosplay for a minute Mm -hmm. when I was living in London. Now, like basically can't afford it and can't keep up with it anymore Yeah, for for a split for a split second. (laughs) What kind of cosplay were you doing? It was like I would be working with literal prop makers like for movies to build like custom headpieces. So I was Lady Loki 
a couple years ago and got like a literal custom, like, you know, the, wow. the golden horns that he wears. It was a full kind of build out headpiece. <laughs> God, I want to know what that is so bad for you right now in this moment. And yet <laughs> it was OTT. I spent way too much money on sure. it. Yeah. But I, it is what it is, you know? Were you into dressing up in costumes and stuff when you were little? Not in the quote unquote traditional gendered sense. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I definitely found expression through what I wore. I think that's why I went through like my goth phase mm-hmm. and my punk phase. I remember I wore heels every single day to high school really? for my junior and senior year. Oh yeah. I was known as a girl with heels. I always just wanted to use my external as a way to like show the world who I am. I still do that now, right? Mm. I do it in different ways, but yeah, yeah, that was always just an important thing to me. That's awesome. Kim, next question for you. Yes. What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? So something completely inconsequential that you would really, really go to bat for. Oh my gosh. So I'm a judgy, petty bitch. So <laughs> it, I feel like probably there's like a million various hills. Great. Okay, this is very controversial opinion in New York City, but I think brunch is so overrated. Like, Whoa. I just don't. I know. I'm sorry. I'm like, if you invite Woo. me to brunch, I'm probably not going to go. I don't want to go and get like a $22 eggs Benedict when sure. I can have dim sum yep. or hot pot okay, or like even a really good sandwich. But yeah, I just... I'm not one of those people who's like, I would die to go to like a right. cute Aussie cafe. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just... It's, it's so overrated for me. You're definitely not canceled. This is a fantastic hill. Okay, let us unpack. So let's define brunch because <laughs> as you yes. know, I lived in New York after school and then I moved to San yes. Francisco. And in San Francisco, when I would say, do you want to get brunch? Or someone would ask me to brunch. I would picture mm. that as starting at 2 p.m. And I was mm. then told, Alexis, that is not brunch, that is lunch. But in New York, I firmly believe that you can get oh, brunch yeah. Yeah, right? At 2 p.m., oh, yeah. no problem. And I would argue that most New Yorkers, if they're asking you to brunch, they do not mean a 10 a.m. start time. No, 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 no. That's breakfast, mama. Thank <laughs> you. Exactly. I think that's like a San Francisco, New York, like lifestyle thing. Yes. But yeah, I guess when I when I think brunch, mm-hmm. it's a very specific sort of new American cafe eatery. Okay, okay. Yep, I'm picturing it. You know, it's a largely white crowd. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like classic Western mm-hmm. brunch food. So like French toast, yep. eggs, Benny. Side of bacon costs $6. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's not like diner breakfast food. No, because that's, I think, I mean, I'm a big fan. I love a good diner breakfast. Totally. I went to a Waffle House for the first time like a couple years ago and it blew my mind. Blew my mind. But it's this like brunch where it's like kind of bougie, kind of boozy. Yeah. Kind of basic. Let's be real. (laughs) It just like is not an energy that I understand. I didn't grow up eating these foods to be fair. Sure. It's just not for me. And I like avocado toast. Like (laughs) You're like, okay, just to clarify, I do like avocado. (laughs) Let the record show that I do like avocado. So, you know, what's interesting though, Kim, brunch in New York, especially is frequently in my mind associated with boozy brunch or bottomless brunch. And you recently told me that you like to be the instigator that gets the party going. So I am a little surprised to hear this conflicting opinion. Because for me, the bottomless is kind of tacky. It's, you know, it's always like cheap. It's like cheap out for blood. <laughs> no, I know. It's like the Andre. The like watery. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's just not, it's never a vibe. You're trying to get drunk. Yeah. A bottomless brunch, you have to drink a lot because I know. a lot of it's just and like watered down. it's awful down. too. It's so yeah. unpleasant it's to get drunk at a bottomless brunch. <laughs> yes. And it's like Prosecco and orange juice. And you're like, yeah, give me the hangover by 4 Truly. p.m. You know? Yes. If you're just trying to get drunk, let's just do shots. Let's yeah. have hard alcohol. <laughs> 
You mentioned as an alternative to brunch, dim sum or hot pot. Okay, so I think I'm exposing my (laughs) ignorance here because if someone invited me to brunch and was like, oh, we're going to go get dim sum, we're going to do like dim sum for brunch, I would be super down for that because to me, brunch is like a timing thing and then dim sum would be the kind of brunch that we had. Thoughts? That's fair. I I usually think like, you know, for example, on dating apps when someone's like, oh, I love brunch, they're talking about this very specific new American sort of meal versus the time of day. I agree. Well, also saying as a fact about your personality, saying proactively putting it out there that you love brunch. Bless. I mean, that goes up there with like, I love tacos and tequila. And you're like, yeah, no (laughs) shit. Who doesn't like tacos and tequila? (laughs) Seriously. So at dim sum, is there like a boozy brunch equivalent to dim sum? Is drinking typically a part of that experience? Not really. Well, not in the dim sum that I grew up eating. Sure. It would be like cold tea to like sober you up a little bit, but usually (laughs) it's like, it's kind of a a family meal and it's super shareable. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't really see that. Like as I think when New Yorkers talk about brunch, it's like a very specific experience they're talking about. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. And what about hot pot? Hot pot I've only ever had for dinner. (laughs) I've had hot pot for lunch. I love a good hot pot. Again, hot pot is just like a way of cooking, I guess. So you could have a lighter sort of meal um, with hot pot, but I'm one of those like 24 seven. It don't matter what time of day. Mm -hmm. I'm down to have hot pot. (laughs) Cool. I think that what you and I should do is we should do like a Kim approved brunch where it's (laughs) at brunch time of day, but we go to a restaurant where we can get real drinks. (laughs) Yes. And eat real food. Yes. I'm picturing something at like 2 p.m., maybe even a barbecue situation with whiskey Ooh. gingers or just oh something that like, oh my God. it sounds yes. so satisfying to have in the late afternoon. Yes. Yes. No, exactly that. And it doesn't even have to be Asian. I just, I think a lot of the brunch fare tends to be like lighter totally, um, or totally. bread forward. And I'm, I'm less of a, <laughs> a bread. I love carbs. Don't get me wrong, but I'm less about the bread. I'm, I, you know what? This is a controversial opinion, but I'm, I don't think I like bread that much, Kim. <laughs> I think bread is a huge category. Okay. And I feel like there's only 10% of bread that's like fucking mind-blowing. I agree. The other 90% is fine. I agree. Like fine. And and there is a pretty, in my mind, pretty stark difference between fine bread and yes. blow your mind bread. Yes. 100%. Okay. 100%. I'm there with you on that. Thank you for that. <laughs> and I feel like you've helped me probably save my reputation <laughs> with the bread loving set. <laughs> So Kim, what is something non-work related that you are really, really proud of? There's probably no singular thing Hmm. for me, probably in the past two, three years. And it's no surprise that it coincides, you know, with starting Omsom. I feel like I've really stepped into my power and stepped into my truth. And I know that sounds woo woo, but like, I really have learned so much about myself Hmm. while starting this business Hmm. outside of the business, like has nothing to do with me as a professional, you know, of really kind of stepping into my bisexuality as a queer Asian woman, really stepping into like kink and fetish as a big part of my life and play Mm. and pleasure being a big part of my life. And owning that honestly, openly as much as I do is, is really just because I think for many, many years of my life, I was ashamed of various parts of these identities Mm. or Mm -hmm. was told that it's not something that you talk about publicly, but a mentor once told me, she was like, you want to be the person that you wish you had when you were younger, uh, you know? Yes. I desperately need Kim Pham now. You know, I desperately needed her when I yep. was like 12 and fucking, you know, ashamed on so many levels of who I was. So that is probably what I'm the most proud of is this fearlessness that I've developed in my self-expression hmm. and in my own kind of personal voice. 
And I think anybody who either knows you personally or even probably follows you online has been able to (laughs) see that happen because we haven't lived in the same city for a long, long time. But I feel like that is absolutely how I've seen your journey progress over the last few years. Fearlessness is definitely a word that comes to mind. It's been amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's hard. Yeah. There are days (laughs) where I'm like, oh my God, you're being so OTT right now, but I just kind of feel like I owe it to my younger self, you know? I do know. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I agree. And I'm sure she agrees. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) So you live in Brooklyn right now. I do. If you could pick up your apartment and everything in it, all your furniture, your art, your decor, Mm. your clothes, and move it to a different location, would you? And where would you go? Oh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Can we put it on wheels and do yeah. multiple locations? Sure. Yes. <laughs> Let's hit the road. I would go back to London for at least like mm-hmm. another year or two. Just okay. one of my favorite cities on this earth that I've been very lucky to live in. You were there right after college or no, you were in Dublin and then London. I was in Dublin and then in London. Yeah. And then after two years in London, I'd maybe stop over in Berlin again Ooh. for another year or two you know, Amsterdam, Shanghai. Hmm. I just always want to be moving. Yeah. I think New York is home forever. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, I have my heart here. I have my homies here, but I firmly know that like you can put me anywhere and I'd be good. So yeah. Yeah. I want to keep that going. (laughs) That sounds great. It sounds like a Euro trip maybe is in your future. (laughs) (laughs) I know I lived in Europe for like nearly four years and did so much traveling, but I'm still like, There's so much more of the world that I want to live in Melbourne at some point. Yeah, we're just going to see. We're going to figure it out. Great pronunciation, by the way. I, of Melbourne, Mel, Melbourne, I have to tell you the truth. I have said Melbourne in the past and I was corrected. And that was a hit. Yeah. Because I like to say things the right way. And I was sad. Yeah. And I mean, look, there's no Tino Shade Girl. It looks like that. It does look like that. <laughs> it does look like that. But I was dating an Aussie and he was like, this is, you can't, this is. Oh, that's what it was. Well, that, okay. Yeah. So see, I, I'm going to give myself a pass. I've never dated an Australian <laughs> person. So how could I possibly know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so if you were not running Omsom, what do you think you would be doing professionally? Oh my gosh, this is such a good question. This is actually the debut of this question. Someone suggested it to me. You're the first one That's that I've asked That's such it to. a good question. My dream is to be a host of like, it used to be the Food Network. I don't uh-huh. really love the Food Network as much anymore, but like sure. of a food cooking culture show. <gasps> you would um, be so good at that. Oh my God. Like, Please make it happen. Universe. Yes. We're putting it out there into the universe. Omsom is literally the manifestation of this, but like food is a carrier of culture and of narratives. And I firmly believe that there's so much we can dig into there. Mm. I would love to do that. And then honestly, Moonlight as a dominatrix. Sure. Honestly. Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. I've learned a ton about humans and about gender and mm. sexuality as a result of it. And just to do that in a more kind of legit way would be really cool too. <laughs> yeah. And cause that's something you said that you do in a hobbyist capacity right now, right? Yeah, totally. Just BDSM and domination and submission in particular has given me such a lens on, on how we've been trained mm. to assume specific things. Mm-hmm. It feels gendered. It feels very much rooted in like old school gender roles. And I just have learned so much about humanity. Hmm. People think it's like, oh, you like to do the sexy things. And I'm like, (laughs) actually for me, it's not even about the play and pleasure part. Although I think that can be fun with trusted partners. But for me, it's like understanding Hmm. 
a lot of the mental piece of it, of like, what is behind domination submission? Like, what do we step into? What do we pull from? Is it rooted in insecurities? Is it rooted in repressed sort of feelings and emotions? Really super complex and really interesting. And I just, I love the lens of humanity that it gives me. What's something you've learned about humanity or about yourself from that? Oh my gosh. Okay. So raging feminists have always been. (laughs) And so my like tagline, you know, has been like, fuck the patriarchy. It really fucks women over. Sure. And it really wasn't until I started really exploring DS in a real way that I realized, oh my gosh, the patriarchy also fucks men over. And I'm I'm talking really reductively here, right? In terms of of gender. Mm -hmm. But like, it wasn't until I started doing some of this work that I realized, oh my gosh, men are robbed of any quote unquote feminine expression. Uh-huh. And what I mean by that is vulnerability, yes. weakness, mm-hmm. and that men are given no space for that. Hmm. It kind of blew my mind. And, you know, for some folks that can come out in quote unquote, what folks might view as extreme hmm. ways. But mm-hmm. really for me, it's just, as like, oh my gosh, the patriarchy serves no one Yeah, because ultimately it just robs us all of like equity, mm-hmm. um, access to wealth resources, but also self-expression, yes. connection to other humans, ability to view ourselves truly and authentically. Like it's just so wild. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, never thought I would say this, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much more empathy and understanding for men who are yeah. told like, you need to be strong. Yep. You need to be tall. Yep. You need to be big. You need to be buck. You need to have a big dick. You need, you know, mm-hmm. all of that also harms men as yes. it harms women obviously disproportionately probably, but (laughs) it was for me the biggest eye opener of like, Mm. oh my gosh, wow. Like the patriarchy serves no one. Yeah. I could talk about that for like hours. (laughs) What a fascinating way to come to that realization and to develop empathy for it. Yeah. Never, never thought I'd be here. I mean, and I think a lot of people (laughs) mistake me. They're like, oh, you like to dom folks. Like you must Mm -hmm. be a man hater. And I'm like, that's really not mm-hmm. it at all. If anything, I sometimes feel like with my part, like some of my partners yeah. that domination submission is how we communicate is how a mm-hmm. lot of folks can access some of these like feelings or desires that have been like shamed or shunned by society mm-hmm. unfairly. So I, I really do feel like we are communicating almost in a really like therapeutic mm-hmm. way. I like to joke about like putting men in their place or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's, it's really actually so much built on so much trust and communication and and joy. And so it's such a delight. (laughs) I'm really glad it's part of my life. That's amazing. It's so good to have things outside of work that really feed your soul. And I think widen your perspective and it makes you feel, or at least my experience has always been, it makes me feel like a more three-dimensional person. Yeah. Yes. I think it's just nice to remind myself that there is a part of me that exists outside of my business. As much as my business is literally a reflection of some of the world that I want to see and and values that guide me through this life. And I'm so thankful that Omsam allows me to do a lot of that, but it's not all of me, you know? Mm -hmm. I do. (laughs) Cam, two-part question for you. Ooh, okay. Who would play you in a movie about your life? And should this be a biopic, so birth to current day, present day, or should we focus in on a specific chapter in the Kim Pham story? Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to tackle the first one. Okay. So I'm not going to do this thing where I'm like, oh, I can only have like an Asian actress like Lucy Liu Great. play me. Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, it's fine. I mean, that's a good, that's a whole nother conversation about representation mm-hmm. within Hollywood, but I would probably want a chaotic bisexual to play me. Fantastic. So I feel like that would be like Tessa Thompson <gasps> or like Perfect. Angelina Jolie, you know, oh, just like yes, curvy hotties because I'm a curvy God, hottie. Tessa Thompson. So 
is amazing. My dream girl. And this is how I'm, I'm dating someone right now. He's lovely. And I asked him on our first day, I was like, who's your dream girl? And he's like, Tessa Thompson. And I was like, <gasps> we, are, we have the same dream girl. <laughs> She'd be great. Stephanie Ruiz, I think, has chaotic Ooh, bi energy. She has definitely chaotic, <laughs> chaotic bi energy. Yeah. And I'm now not going to remember her name. She played Lucy on Parks and Rec. Natalie Morales. Oh, I didn't know she's bi. Mm -hmm. I don't know that her energy is as chaotic as some of the other choices, but it's definitely strong. She is like fierce, like strong energy. Yes. No, I want that. Yes. Okay. Love that. We have a lot of options. Yes. I would probably want to focus on like starting off some. I feel like that's been particularly transformative. Mm. So maybe like, you know, the two or three years, probably starting around like when I was living in London and then quit my job and traveled Latin America all the wow. way through to probably like a couple of years after Amsam. I just feel like yeah. this is like a really intense, juicy period in my life. <laughs> totally. I'm sure that that would be really fun. And I think that watching the arc of your business would be really fun. And then also <laughs> we could incorporate your extracurricular hobbies as well. I, oh. <laughs> all of it. You're just going to see all of it. <laughs> this would be a great movie. Kim, what is the most memorable gift that you've ever given or received? Oh, oh my gosh. That's so hard. <laughs> oh yes, actually. Long story short, I have a lot of hearts in my signature. Like there's three mm-hmm. hearts actually. The reason I do that is because in sixth grade I had a teacher named Mrs. Hall. Okay. Who did not like me and I dotted oh, no. all my eyes with hearts. Is that why she didn't like you? I, I think it was one of many things. I think she okay. thought I was like a little sassy, you know, okay. a little weirdo. Um, but she pulled mm-hmm. me aside and she was like, You're going to middle school next year. No one's going to take you seriously if you put hearts on your eyes. Ooh. And do you know, like, you remember with that being that age, right? Like, yeah, you're like trying to understand yourself and understand creativity and it's getting slowly stamped out of you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward, I'm making my signature or whatever, at like 17, 18. And I just remember being like, all right, like, I want to just give a middle finger to this person nice. who told me that I couldn't be anyone. And now that signature is in the back of every single Amazon product that's gone out to literally hundreds of thousands, um, which is so so cool and kind of just like, yeah, what up? But I told that story to someone that I was seeing and he is a steel worker Hmm. and he was like kind of inspired by that story and went back to his shop Hmm. and literally cut out my signature in like melted down (gasps) steel. Are you serious? It's probably this big. Wow. And he like gave it to me. A couple feet? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like probably five, six feet. No, no, no. That's, that's tight. Okay. <laughs> Lol. Um, like this is two feet. What is it the feet? size of? <laughs> it's probably like three feet. It's three feet. <laughs> and he made it and gave it to me. And I think on our second or third date, second or third date. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Wow. Well, he really blew rat skull guy out of the water. He really oh my did. God. Kim, you yeah. leveled up. I really did. And it's, it's really special. We're no longer together, but I mean, we're, we're still friends and it's such mm-hmm. a special piece to me. Cause he was like, yes. I, he heard the story and kind of found something in that resilience and wanted to literally like memorialize it in steel, which is so totally. cool. So yeah, it's, it's a heavy piece. I can't mount it anywhere cause it's going to fall, but it's really right. cool. That's amazing. He really yeah. tapped into something key to who you are. It feels like. Yes. He's a very, very special person. Wow. That's a great gift. (laughs) What's something that you're really good at that it would surprise most people in your life to learn about you? Oh my God. I don't know if I'm really good at much. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I'll let you say that, but like know that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. (laughs) 
I'm really good at folding clothes for someone who never worked in retail. Really? Yeah. Never worked in retail, but I just love folding. Like, so you know how, you know, the little t-shirt, like Abercrombie and Fitch shit. Yeah. Yeah, No, I can do that without the board. Oh, and can you do it quickly? Yes. I love folding laundry. Do you really? I do. Everything is neat and like the same size and looks, you know, yeah. Type A. I I feel you. I actually don't mind folding laundry either. All the other parts of doing laundry, I hate, but folding it is the reward. (laughs) Yes. Yes. When I do my laundry in my house now, Mm -hmm. I like put on a a TV show as I'm folding laundry because it's literally like a joy. It's a joy. 100%. Wait, are you trying to tell me you have a washer dryer in your apartment? Yes, girl. Got that COVID deal. Okay. Way to flex. I'm getting flexed on, (laughs) on my own show. That's fine. That's fine. I'm very happy for you. Honestly, as a friend, I'm happy for you, but (laughs) yeah. But also I'm coming over to do my laundry. So yeah, you win some, you lose some there with that reveal. (laughs) Kim, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Ascend. If you're a woman working in tech or business, Ascend's leadership program will teach you skills to gain confidence, influence difficult stakeholders, empower your teams, and move up faster in your career. You'll leave Ascend's six-week course armed with the tools to have your ideas taken seriously and motivate your team. But don't take it from me. Take it from Zara, an engineering manager at Salesforce. With the program, I really got that structure that I needed to basically go through the steps that I could take in order for me to be successful in the meeting in order for me to show up better in one-on-one meetings, in order for me to co-create better because part of being an engineering manager is to multiply others and not be the only one that's making all those proposals and helping other people tap into their strengths. Plus, we all know how hard it can be to build a valuable professional network. Because Ascend is application only, you can feel sure you'll be building relationships within, as Shivani, the CEO of Ascend, put it to me, which I loved, a high-caliber, low-ego community of women. It's a type of networking and connection that I think is also priceless because the more people that you have that advocate for you and support you and resonate with the similar experiences that you're experiencing as a woman in tech, it really makes a difference when it comes to how you show up at work and how you present yourself. It'll take you about eight minutes to apply at weascend.co. And we're back with Kim Pham, the co-founder of Omsom. Kim, how are you doing so far? Are you having a nice this time? This is so fun. It's just Yay! nice like <laughs> shoot the shit with you and you're such a delight to speak with. Yeah, oh you're, my gosh. you're the best. No. You're the best, Alexis. Oh, I'll keep going. No, stop. Okay. <laughs> We've reached a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. We have arrived at the lightning round. Oh, gosh. You ready? You ready? Yes. I have no okay. idea what to expect, but we're here. <laughs> I think you'll know the answer to all the questions. Don't you worry. So okay. first up, coffee or tea? Tea. Green tea all day, baby. Always. Do you drink any coffee? If it's an espresso martini, yes. Okay, sure. Yeah. I'm not really, I don't know. Coffees, I don't really do a ton of caffeine. So Mm. coffee can get kind of intense for me. Okay, that makes sense. So green tea. All right, we love that. iOS or Android? iOS. I used to be an Android girl. Sorry, Dad. You did used to be an Android girl. I did. Because, I mean, I grew up, my father's a software engineer. He was like, Android all the way, baby. And then, yeah, sorry. No, they got me. Apple got me. You really left your dad in the dust on that one. I did. (laughs) After he supported (laughs) you and all of your weirdness. I know. I just want to be like everybody else, dad. They all have iPhones. Literally, literally. (laughs) Too real. Do you have a favorite board game? Yes. It's a game called Spy Alley. 
I've never heard of it. It's like one of those things where you're you're in different teams and you're trying to like manipulate and lie. It's a lot Ooh. of fun when you do it with friends because you see people and what they're capable of. I love it's really that. interesting. Wait, yeah. I want to play that immediately. That sounds so fun. Don't play with someone that you love. I made a mistake of playing it with an <gasps> ex and a couple of our friends. And he was okay. like, we don't like each other at the end of this game. And I was like, oh, what a doobie, what a doobie. My goodness gracious. Okay, so it sounds like it really shows people your true colors. Okay. It does. I'll keep that in mind. I'm still down to play. I have a heart of gold through and through. So I think that I I'll feel come like out you'd fine. be really good at it. Like because you can be deadpan and like you can just win everyone over with charm. And then people are like, Great. wait, like what is Alexis and what is the game? You know, that sounds awesome. Okay, cool. Add that to the list. Is that something we should do before our brunch or after? After a couple. Okay. Drinks <laughs> Great. Couple drinks in. We're going to play Spy Alley. When you make your bed, do you use a top sheet or no top sheet? No top sheet. And is that something you've always done? No top sheet forever? Yeah, I think top sheets weren't really a thing in my house growing up. Okay. I don't know if that's just like hashtag immigrants. So I just use like a duvet that I like remove and wash. I've asked many people this question. Even before I had a okay. podcast, I would ask people this question. And I have found, I swear to God, zero rhyme or reason to what mm. it is that correlates with people using a top sheet or not. I have no, there's nothing. I've collected a ton of data <laughs> on this. I don't know what it is. There's no statistical significance to okay. your findings. There really isn't. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, so a duvet. That's, yes, I love a duvet. I actually yeah. do both. Oh, combo. Mm, I know. Bougie. Mm, yes. <laughs> that's why I lament not having a washer dryer because yeah, that's <laughs> got all these real. fucking linens. Yeah, <laughs> that's real. Have you ever read a book twice? Yes, Harry Potter. All day, oh, day. nice. All the whole series? Or was there one Harry Potter book you read again and again? The whole series I probably read a couple times through, but Goblet of Fire is my fave. Oh, love. Yeah. How do you feel about the stigma around millennials who love Harry Potter? I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel attacked. They're not wrong. I know. That's the hardest part. That's the toughest pill to swallow. Also, J.K. Rowling sucks now, too. I and you're know. Like, oh, there's don't so meet many your heroes, dude. Don't, don't meet your heroes. Ugh. Do you have a pump-up song? Oh, my God. Yeah. What is Love by Hathaway? Like, really? Yes. If I ever, for some reason, join Major League Baseball, that's my <laughs> walk-up song. It's going to be, what is love? You know, yeah. I want Baby, it. don't hurt me. Okay, I love it. You're walking to the plate. Don't hurt yes. me. Great. Yes. I love that this scenario yes. is only you playing fucking Major League Baseball. <laughs> I grew up in Boston. That was like a thing that you would talk about. Yeah. I love that. Okay, if you start playing for the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, I know sports. Okay, <laughs> Kim, final question for you. What would you title your memoir? Honestly, this is kind of unfair because it's an Amazon tagline, mm -hmm. but really like the journey to finding proud and loud. Like, Ooh. yeah, it took a long time for me to like step into being proud and loud in all yes. of my ways. And yes. So yeah, I would want to kind of like celebrate that. That's amazing. I love that. And I think that would fly off the shelves. Who doesn't <laughs> want to be loud and proud? <sighs> and it doesn't have to be like in the way that I'm loud and proud, but I just right. think that people find like, even with what you're doing, like even watching your journey, right? It's mm. like you found the thing that like lights you up and gets yes. you out of bed in the morning yeah. and like stepping into that and with pride and with loudness, even when it's not mm -hmm. perfect, even when you're unsure of yourself, like that is such a beautiful thing. And I hope everyone fucking finds that. Yeah. Just the world is a better place when you find that for yourself and you're proud and loud about it. So 
I couldn't agree more. What a beautiful note to end on. Kim, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh my gosh, this was so fun. I want to do it a million times more. This I know. Like a podcast. It just feels like us hanging out. <laughs> well, this is what brunch is going to feel like. Yes, except even more <laughs> like drinks. R-rated. Which <laughs> right, <I'm excited>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. that's the, the NC-17 version of non-technical. Yes. Yes. We'll put it up on yes. OnlyFans. Okay, <laughs> Kim, where can people find more about you? I am on Instagram at Kim underscore T fam. And you can find all of my like internet places at kimfam.org. And if you want to eat some damn good Asian food, you can go to omsom.com, which is my company. <laughs> Hell yeah, you really should. Everyone should do that. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at Non Technical Pod on Twitter. One more time, Kim, thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you very soon. Yes, so soon. <laughs> Bye. Oh boy, I have a review to read. This one comes from WD Humble 77. Five stars. Good bit. Bit does. Great conversation. Brilliant. Just brilliant. WD Humble 77. Short, sweet, to the point. We love to see it. And if you want to hear me read your review on the next episode, go ahead and head over to iTunes, leave me a review, give me a little corpse speak, a little tech lingo, and you just might hear it on the pod. Talk to you soon. Bye.